Hello and welcome everyone to VoIP for Independent Telecoms, the podcast for local service providers who want to offer great services on a resilient network. I'm your host, Andrew Ward from Award Consulting, and I'm joined today by Noah Rafalco from TSG Global. Welcome, Noah. Thank you very much. So for those who don't know you, could you give a brief introduction and tell us a little bit about TSG Global? Sure. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, great to be here. Uh, my name is Noah Rafalco. I'm the CEO of TSG Global. I've been in telecommunications, in particular advanced communications technology for several decades. In other words, I, I see what's coming before everyone gets to use it and test it. So it's a fun job and sometimes grueling, but I've been in that space for so long and really always keeping your finger on the pulse of technology allows you to have companies like TSG, which you know, allows us to offer enhanced software solutions to manage telecommunications because it's become so darn complex. <laughs> yes, the complexity of telecoms is uh, something that we've certainly seen in, in our work over the years. And I think every year, every few years, more gets added to the pie of what you are responsible for if you're running a telecoms network. And you know, it used to be the case that you only needed to understand TDM and then you add VoIP and then you add Stershake and then you, you know, you keep adding more complexity. You have to add like cloud services now and you're still supposed to still understand all the old stuff too. So it's a, a challenging environment for, for operators. So you've mentioned you've been in telecoms for several decades. How did you start? Like what, you know, you finished high school or go to college. What made you think I want to be in telecoms? Or it, didn't, wasn't or didn't after, you? <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly wasn't that early in my career, but it was definitely early enough to make an impact. I saw that telecommunications was just growing so quickly. It was changing so rapidly and it fit my personality, frankly, I'm ADHD and that's before they actually had a phrase for it or a diagnosis. So I think that it fit me perfectly and allowed me to not just deal with one element, but many elements. So people take for granted that a call is just, hey, I pick up a, a phone and I make a call or I send a text. There is a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes to make those those communications happen. Excellent. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty clear from how you described it and from reading your, your bio that you know, you're really a technologist. It sounds like that's what's interesting to you with the technology and figuring out the applications. And I was excited to have you on the podcast today because our listeners are certainly very familiar with the problems of robocalling and with you know, stir shaken as a the method for preventing caller ID fraud. And one of the areas of technology that you have been investigating you know, relates to that, but with a, a different angle, a different approach to how we might deal with that problem. So I'm looking forward to um, exploring that with you. So let me start with this question. If you could wave a magic wand and implement some technology into the phone network, into the PSTN related to how caller ID or identity more generally is handled, what would you do? How would you do things to make um, a better approach to uh, identity? Well, it's a, that's a great question because Again, there's so many elements that tie to a single service, like just take your phone number, for example. There's multitude of layers that touch that same number before you think it's yours. <laughs> so, you know, what we see is the ability to share information in those and between those parties is what's seriously needed. And if you look at voice over IP, that really was the catalyst to two different events at the same time. One my goodness, what access you could have, what new products you could create, 
the versatility of uh, doing voice over a digital IP packet was insanely wonderful for everyone. The problem was it came with a lot of risk and security holes at the same time. So, and no communication. So instead of having, historically, you had a phone line delivered to your house, for example. Well, that was the ultimate attestation, if you think about it. The phone company knew exactly where you were because they delivered this copper wire from their facility to your facility. (laughs) So (laughs) that was pretty, pretty darn accurate in the sense of understanding who you were. But as soon as voice over IP came on, now that telephone number doesn't, is no longer tied to that physical connection between those two endpoints. So there's a lot of trust that you need to start uh, having to think that that caller is using the right phone number, calling the right destination that's accepting and or willing to communicate with that caller. So there's a lot of things that opened up. And by not being able to manage the multitude of layers going from a single point connection, like your phone line to the phone company became unwieldy. And that's where fraudsters come in. That's where they take advantage of the moment and they take advantage of these, these loopholes that can cost folks, for example, just in last year, tens and tens of billions of dollars in fraud. And that just gets passed to the consumer in one way or another. So really having the ability to share information in a more secure way, because in telecom, they all touch that same thing, that phone number. How do we create a system that they feel safe in using, that they feel that their competitors aren't going to get too much information from their data, and that it solves for this shared problem, this shared problem of fraud, because it touches every single element in that chain of custody. So tying that chain of custody together to create a community of like-minded sharing folks on that phone number that have to support you as a consumer or look at IoT devices breaking into the market. There's over 10 and a half billion IoT and cell devices on the planet today and growing by the second. How do we manage all these endpoints? Well, now we can have a way, hopefully with new technology that's emerging to manage that layered multitude of endpoints. So I think I really like the the simple way in which you describe you know, the core problem we have here, which is the fact that the PSTN went from an entirely basically trust-based network. It was a closed network. There wasn't really any security on the PSTN because everyone trusted that the people who are connected to it, the phone companies, control their networks and can be trusted. And so, yeah, there isn't security within the PSTN, basically. And then voice over IP kind of created a problem, which now we're trying to bolt on security into the PSTN, which isn't really designed for it. I really love the way you you describe that. So if I understand you right, you're saying that there are multiple entities that have an interest in a phone number, right? So if you've got a, let's say, even a traditional landline, you've got a traditional landline, the there's a person who lives at the house that has that number who you will call if you dial it. But then there's the local phone company who owns that number. But then that number is also part of a number block that's associated with a tandem. And there's, you know, there are long distance carriers who, you know, route calls to that number via a certain path. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you talk about multiple people having an interest in it? Yeah. Or even worse, like let's add the IP element to it uh, because the IP element could be that you buy a service from a software company that buys it from an aggregator, that buys it from a telephone company, that buys uh, maybe from another telephone company, that then leases from 
the United States uh, government in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so nobody actually owns numbers. They're leased all the way down. Just people don't realize that. So you've got <laughs> Nampa in the middle, kind of, you know, who as a central organization that is allocating the number blocks and so on. And then it all yeah, trickles down in the way you described. Yep. Yeah. So the old days, let's look at law enforcement. That's probably the clearest line to seeing how bad it's become. So in the old days, they had your address and they could just tap your line, let's say. And nowadays, they have to send the subpoena starting from the numbering administrator who assigned it to a telephone company. They have to start at that telephone company and a three-month process triggers all the way down until it finally hits a software company that's supporting the offender. And that could be almost a year later and all that legal process to get there. And so is there a better way to just see transparently right down to that relationship and know that everyone in between has attested each other one degree down, right? Because if you think about it, the numbering administrator has to uh, tell the government, yes, we assigned it to this carrier. Next subpoena comes along. Carrier says, yes. We were assigned that number, but we assigned it to this aggregator. Go subpoena them. So then they subpoena that aggregator. Now the aggregator says, well, we do have this number, but we support this software company. <laughs> right. So, you know, now everybody in that one degree already knew it, but we're, what we need to solve a lot of this issue is an identity that passes between them that's a secure single source of truth amongst all of them, mm -hmm. right? And that will solve the problem, identity. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about what you are doing or how you're thinking about a solution to you know, the problem that you're describing. Sure, so I'll start really quickly and give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Jeff Pulver, who founded Vonage and brought the world together with voice over IP and still continues to change the world. He brought me into this technology when I was speaking at one of his events where he brought technologists together and it was half uh, interactive communications, texting, AI, that kind of side. And the other side was blockchain. And I was just amazed. I was like, what's, what's this blockchain stuff? It's, it's crazy. You know, this is monopoly money. You know, like everybody else thinking Bitcoin, crypto, yuck, yuck, yuck. And seeing the community was really odd too, like people dressed in furry coats, like you know, like fursuits and armor and, you know, just strange. It was like an anime hackathon, hacked up with some new age stuff. It was just very strange to me. But I found, my, found myself in a few of the seminars that were being held and I had an, a, a moment and that moment was, oh my gosh, this is the next network that we're all going to use. Not... <clears throat> this is about money or, you know, the new monetary system. It's about the network. It's about the technology that carries this from here to there or identifies things from here to there. It's a new way to look at things. And with blockchain, it really is just to imagine a checkbook that you balance or an Excel document uh, for your expenses that you could never erase. You can put information into it, every single cell, every single, uh, just imagine Every single cell becomes a block that's continuously connected to the prior block. So you can't ever delete anything from the past. You can only review it, search it, and know that it's never going to change. So really the blockchain is a continuous set of blocks that authenticate each other from the prior block to the next block. And with that, if you think of applications and network and 
even tying it to our problem that we just talked about and who owns a number, who's responsible for that number, it instantly applies. And ironically, coming from telecommunications, the telecommunications industry, we're already naturally built to just plug this technology in. And oh my gosh, what could it solve? Well, it could solve texting spam and it could solve voice calls that you never wanted or authorized. Because when I grew up, I remember living on a farm and, and, and the only two times the phone rang was a wrong number of family and friends. Somebody sold us out since then. <laughs> and now we need to take our, our identity back. And again, through that technology, it seems as though that allows us to manage our own identity as opposed to trusting that phone company to manage our identity on the other end of that wire. So explain to me how that works. Like you hear lots of people say, oh, blockchain is the future. Blockchain is going to solve everything. And let's look at your specific example, one of the examples you mentioned there. How does somehow putting your telephone number on the blockchain prevent you receiving unwanted calls? Great question. Well, first you're identifying yourself, right? So imagine everyone who has a valid phone number identifies themselves for free just by putting this new digital letter of authorization, a record that you exist and you're tied to this phone number. And they put it in this big community, like imagine a big Slack channel. And in that Slack channel, you get to say what you want that might stop some fraud. So let's say how many of your listeners have, have received a call or a text from maybe a non-working number or maybe yep. a family or friend that someone was basically what they call spoofing, where you can plug in any phone number to, to present to the, the folks you're calling to kind of misrepresent who you are. So imagine now you have your record, you've created it and you just check a box in your record saying, Hey, I want to share that my service is on Verizon wireless and I never want another phone company to originate a call or allow a call to originate with my phone number from another network. Now, what does that cost uh, the industry? A lot of fraud because there's a lot of spoofing going on. What does it cost the carriers? Well, they can dip now into a free place, a community of users that's saying, hey, this is my ID and I don't want it originating through your network. So if it starts there, stop it. Don't let that call continue because it's really not me. That's a bad player. So that's one, one layer. And then another layer is what you said earlier, caller ID. I want my caller ID to represent who I am. And that's in texting and in voice. And if somebody's going to call me, they better know me and call me or know me and text me. And who gives anybody the right to get through to me without that consent? Uh, so again, it, it allows you a repository to start telling the world what you're allowing and what you're not allowing to attach to your phone number, attached to your identity. Okay. So let me uh, try to say this back to you. So you're, so you're describing using the blockchain as a central database, central distributed, et cetera, database of truth about first off saying, you know, through some process, this phone number is mine. This is my identity. I, you know, I don't know what the process would be to, to prove that, but in some way you prove that this phone number is associated with me 
And then you can also attach other information to that identity in the database, such as, like you said, I will never place a call except from you know the Verizon network because it's a Verizon cell phone and I'm not using that number anywhere else. And of course, presumably you as the owner could then update that to you know, port your number to AT&T if you wanted. But so you can put various information into that database and then the service providers, presumably in particular, the uh, terminating service provider delivering calls to you would, or maybe anyone in the middle as well, I guess, could use that database to decide what to do with a call that's destined for you or from you and maybe dump a bunch of calls that are spam because they see it doesn't match the rules on the blockchain. Is that the general idea? It is. And that's where, you know, it's a great segue into your comments about stir shaken, right? What are they trying to do? They're trying to identify callers or callers networks from one to another and they're having problems. So imagine an end user representing themselves and how much easier that would make it on a, on a phone company and all those in between that support the end user. Yeah, so the core architectural difference between Stirshaken and what you're talking about is with Stirshaken, we're trying to pass through the existing network kind of in line with the connection, the relevant information to certify that this call is legitimate. And there are various issues with that because, for example, TDM doesn't really support Stirshaken and much of the network is still TDM. But your approach instead would be to say it's basically out of band identity, right? So say you've got, we have the giant database in the sky on the blockchain saying this is all the information you need about this identity and how the owner wants it to be used. And then rather than trying to change anything about how the call is delivered, each telco in the path of the call has the option to look on the blockchain and decide what to do with that call based on the information associated. Is that correct? Correct. And think of what else the carrier can support for you once that happens. Obviously, this is a solution for calling name, which is a a surprisingly frustrating um, system today, among many other things, just as a very simple example. Yes. Okay. All right. That is beginning to make sense to me. But this is not the direction the world... Well, actually, no, before we get into that. So with blockchain, as I understand it, nobody really owns the blockchain. That's kind of the point, right? It's a distributed thing. But somebody's still got to set it up. It's still got to be to exist somewhere. So if you, I, I'm guessing you've already begun kind of, you know, the process of doing something along these lines. What, is this something that gets put on Ethereum? How, how are you thinking about actually creating the, the central database in the sky? Great question. Again, uh, interesting. You can get into the differences in blockchain methodology on maybe another podcast, uh, but just know it's different than Ethereum because that's like Bitcoin and that's just you know, the whole proof of work, lots of computing power, all that stuff. Uh, we're talking about creating a community of trusted users in a private blockchain that allow to support end users, right? And then end users coming into that mix to attest that they're part of that chain of custody. Uh, so in that methodology, we are creating a private blockchain network of large users, large software companies, large carriers, you know, those who are trying to support you as an end user better and then involve you as an end user by just sending you an invite from one of those parties that's supporting you today. Therefore, as an end user, you're just saying, yes, this is my data. Uh, And now you can start controlling it at that point, but it is a community of users. So it starts with every single end user, and that could be a phone company, it could be you, they claim their identity tied to that number. If they haven't assigned it, it might still be a carrier, right? 
If it's assigned to an end user, the end user might say, hey, here's my copy of my phone bill. This tests who I am. And at that point, you have a free record that you can create for yourself or your business. And then if you want to facilitate doing certain activities, that's where the community gets uh, a piece of that savings, right? So uh, for example, what's deployed today is specifically, and it's called uh, TNID, telephone number ID community. It's deployed to support text messaging from businesses to consumers or businesses to businesses that's been taking off. And now there's this very thick registration process similar to Stir Shaken, but a lot more business details needed. So we apply the ability to have a record created either by an end user or an enterprise to then facilitate saying, hey, we are who we are and pushing that out to third parties that are requiring that registration of that user now. So we've solved it already today in production in one flavor of what's needed to use your identity. So the, the ability for it to maintain is self-sustaining because the contribution of data into the community also creates value externally for those who want to dip into that community for data. So it's self-sustaining shared software at a community level, but every participant that's part of that community gets voting rights, unlike any other network. In a blockchain community, and you're part of that private community before it will eventually touch the public side, but in the private community, everyone gets a vote and you rate each other, you rate your experiences. There's just so much. It's like, it's like Facebook smashed with like Slack <laughs> in mm -hmm. a sense, right? Except on a grander scale of sharing data back and forth. And this, this community ownership, as I understand it, is a core concept within the whole you know, blockchain ethos, the idea that it's distributed, you've got a lot of different parties who are involved. And as long as nobody has 51% of the ownership of the community, then you know nobody has control. You can only do things through majority vote. And yeah, as long as you, as I said, you've got many different carriers or you know, companies who are associated with this who are involved in it, then yeah, nobody can kind of abuse it and override the system. Yes. And there's always uh, an element of a nonprofit that manages the governance of the blockchain community. Just mm -hmm. imagine any community you have, you have rule makers, rule keepers, rule watchers, you have participants, you have vendors. It's just a new community, just like the internet was a new network to us in, back in the day. Just think of how we made that evolutionary step. We had all these processes that we did in person and we had this new technology that allowed them uh, to do it in this new place, like you said, in the cloud, right? And now we're having access to a newer cloud. <laughs> so it's just a, it's an evolution of taking what we already have created and applying it on this new network to solve some issues that all along the way we create for ourselves. So I'd like to dig a little bit more into the current production application of this to SMS and MMS messaging, which it sounds like is, is where it's you know, the kind of first application. And I'm aware that recently, I think I've seen notifications from Twilio, for example, that they're requiring anyone sending MMS to kind of fill out forms to validate their business and so on. Can you talk a bit more about the, the current state of deployment of TNID and maybe if you're able to share, you know, like who's using it and what impact that is having on both businesses who are wanting to send SMS messages, but also users who are wanting or not wanting to receive them. 
Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that question. Uh, so TNID was deployed to support the messaging campaign registration. So to your point, let's say you were a customer of Twilio yesterday, and all of a sudden you get this notice and you were sending out texting to a group of either friends, colleagues, whatever. It didn't even matter if you're a regular person or a business at this point. But you started to use these telephone numbers that were text enabled from Twilio. And now you have a notice come in the next day saying, oh, by the way, you're going to pay more per message. You're going to pay uh, to register whatever use case you're going to use these for. And we're going to crawl up your butt for 30 pieces of information we didn't get from you yesterday. And if you want to continue to use the messaging to communicate with your associates, you're going to have to not only pay this stuff, but you're going to have to register. If you don't register, you're either going to get kicked off of our network. Or you're going to get fined. Wonderful. Yeah. So what we deal with is companies as big or bigger than those companies like Twilio who have to support all these tons of end users. Well, how do they do it? Well, today's ecosystem is, okay, this new entity where you're supposed to register this information popped out of the ether at behest of the wireless operators, a centralized database where now you have to populate all your information as a, let's start at the top of the food chain, you're a carrier and you support text messaging enablement somewhere down the line, you need to now register that you're a carrier supporting these text-enabled numbers and who you're supporting subset. The next person in line, let's say it's a, let's cut to the chase and say it's just a software company. Let's say it's a large CRM software company, right? And they're supporting you and now not only do they have to register, but if you are creating any of that content, like, hi, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm sending out a message, you have to register as a business as well. And if you don't register as a business, you'll pay higher rates, you'll have potential blocking, and you can get fined. So that's the current ecosystem where everybody had to connect to a new database that popped up, just yet another one. And then a few others popped up around it that you have to populate the same information into. So I thought that was redundant, but that's how the industry works. Redundant single databases <laughs> that you populate information into. So uh, TNID solves this by saying, okay, large companies, small companies, it doesn't matter to us. You're a user, create your own identity. Instead of pushing it through this third party and just having another place that you just put your and expose your information to, just create your driver's license for telecom. Now, let's do it together. We allow you to create your own record. That record uh, is then connected to your service provider. That service provider is connected to their carrier. So it connects all those chains of custody members to the same asset through a tokenized invitation or just an invitation process saying, yes, I do business with Andrew. Good. Andrew doesn't need to know that Twilio does business with another company above it. Twilio just needs to make sure that Andrew does business and Andrew needs to know that Twilio does business on their behalf. And Twilio now upstream to their vendor, they have a relationship, but they don't want to know necessarily want Andrew's information to go to a potential competitor above them <laughs> in most cases. So in our solution, as soon as the identity is accepted by the FCC in a little bit stronger of a way, then your entire identity becomes a tokenized alphanumeric code where 
it doesn't give your identity. It gives the, the ability for someone to say, yes, this is, this is a driver's license number. This has been attested, mm-hmm. right? And it connects all those dots for whoever starts the chain of custody event. It goes up and down just like one degree until it hits the ends and then ties those records together, shares them with the third parties necessary. So the companies that we work with today in the community connect to one API and all those different endpoints are absorbed into the network of shared software. Mm-hmm. So they never have to support those endpoints again. They only support the one entry into the community, which lowers all their costs all over the place in development cycles. So that's where we solve for today. We're also being asked to solve for Sir Shaken because that's just another place to put the same data that you just created for text messaging. Yeah. So let's assume for a second that TNID and the you know infrastructure around that and the you know the blockchain around that is the perfect solution to this problem. Let's just assume that that's the case. The challenge with something like this is adoption. Like if everyone used the perfect solution, then it would be great. If no one uses it, it's valueless. I mean, in the Bitcoin world, Bitcoin's only got any value because everybody decided it should have value. I could, I couldn't, but somebody could and does every day create a new cryptocurrency. But if nobody uses it, it's valueless. I guess in an ideal world in the US, you'd want like the FCC to say everyone should use TNID and or, or all the car- all the big carriers, the tier one carriers to get together and say, we are all going to use this. And then it becomes an industry standard. How are you approaching that problem and how and, and how is it going? <laughs> great, great. Well, again, we didn't mention governance. So we've talked to standards organizations that exist in the telecommunications space, both domestically and globally. We've spoken to the FCC, the FTC. We have uh, strong contacts and all those layers because it is a technology that if you just look at a different country like India, India uses blockchain to both have for regulators uh, to see transparently into that and to stop robocalls and spam. Uh, so it's already being used elsewhere. It's can we uh, as a community and the community starts with two players, basically it, it's like the internet. Remember the internet started with like a handful of servers, mm-hmm. right? And then it grew from there. So really in our model, it's our clients want to connect to these third parties anyway, and at a lower cost. So that's what we do today. That makes enough money for the community to keep going and building and building and building. And it gives as much value to the members to say, we need to join this, but it really starts with only two parties that need to share information in a more secure, immutable way. That's the beauty of, of this solution. So you're saying that even with, yeah, two members of the community and basically a peer-to-peer connection, that there is value provided there. And because of that, you don't really have a network effect problem where there's no value until there's lots of people using it. There's value at the beginning, but of course the value does increase the more people use it. Right. And TSG Global attached to this community, TSG Global supports the messaging and, and transport layers. It has to register its end users, but because TNID did what it did, TSG didn't have to create that. Mm -hmm. TSG just plugs into a database that's source of truth and now can create additional technology surrounding it. So TSG created the ability to look at this campaign that this user registered and put restrictive behavior around it so that they can't break the rules by sending out too many text messages in a day 
because that's what they loaded in this immutable database. And we have a source of truth to say, now we know what you signed up for. Now we know what to hold you to so that you don't get us in trouble and you don't get in trouble either. And as you apply the same approach in the future to voice calls, then it's pretty easy to see the analogy. You can you can have a rule saying I potentially you could have a rule saying I only want to receive calls from my mom. And you know, that could be enforced by the carrier, or you could have a rule saying I don't want yeah, any calls from any unallocated numbers or from anyone that's looks above 50% likely to be spam, whatever you could, you know, those rules could be there. And then the carriers could query those rules and then enforce them um, at any point in the network. And you, you just touched too deep into my patents, which I do think that that was purely by accident, by the way, it's naturally, it's naturally where we go, right? What else can we do with this? Just like the internet, what else can we do with this? People often ask us questions. So what can we do with this? And it's, it, it's like asking what you can do with flame. Hmm. or what you can do with electricity, or, you know, it's that multi-purpose utilitarian, right? Like it's a, it's completely a utility that you can attach to anything that if it makes it more efficient, you use it. If it doesn't, you don't use the tech. That's how it works. Yep. So I'd like to kind of start drilling this down to the things that our listeners should worry about today or be thinking about today. Probably the typical listener to this podcast is a involved in operating a, a rural ILEC, so a fairly traditional small telephone company. Let's start with them. As they're listening to this, should they be thinking this is interesting? One day in the future, I will expect to see this. Is there anything they should be doing today or looking at today that would be helpful for them as they think about stir shaken or alternative approaches to stir shaken and identity? Absolutely. I think every player that's in telecom, no matter the size of the company, I mean, there's enterprise bigger than some CLEX. There's, you know, CLEX is part of enterprise. Uh, CLEX part of universities. So it's a mixed world right now. So it doesn't matter where you are in the mix. The, the best next commodity that you're going to be able to manage for folks, you already have in your hands. It's a phone number. And it doesn't matter if you have 500, or 5 million or 50 million, it's an asset that's tied to now an identity record that not only you can stop others from utilizing your records on your network as fraudulent on other networks, but now you can authorize access to your own users based on even like a wallet type function saying to your point, are you authorized to call Andrew? And if you're not, or let's say you are authorized to call Andrew, is there a settlement that I should be doing for on Andrew's behalf because you're sending him five text messages? This is based on maybe an agreement you had together. How do we remunerate Andrew? How do we make his phone service for free and charge the other guy to have access to him? <laughs> right? so, you, so, so potentially you could set it up so that you have to pay to call me. Yes. Yes. And yep. you set those rules because it's you. If I had a penny for every time I received a call that I didn't ask for, I'd be on an island somewhere, right? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, an, an interesting concept of how this could eventually be applied. And you can certainly imagine that, you know, super important people could end up uh, in a situation where they you know, basically make it very hard for people to call them through financial means or whatever. Okay, so someone who's listening to this and is thinking, 
this is kind of interesting. I want to learn more. What's the best thing for them to do to, as a first step to kind of you know learn more about this, to, to read more, to learn more about uh, TSG Global or TNID? What, where would you recommend they go? Sure. Well, number one, always listen to your show because clearly you're on top of the game of technology. Number two, you can go to our website at tsgglobal.com. So that's uh, T is in Tom, S is in Sam, G is in George, and then the word global.com. And the new community site is TNID, like telephone number ID.com. That's where you can learn a little bit more about that. And you can always reach out to us at info at tsgglobal.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are a community of, of folks. So TSG is a community member of that new network. And we'd love to expose what we're doing together already. Cool. Well, thank you, Noah. I will put those uh, links uh, in the show notes um, for anyone looking at this on the website. And yeah, before we wrap, is there anything else you know that say you want to mention or you think is important for our listeners to to hear about before we wrap this up? Absolutely. Uh, I do believe in identity, and I do believe in what they call self-sovereign identity, you claiming who you are. And I want you to just take a moment after this podcast, and I want you to think and imagine what you use your phone number today for, and imagine it becoming so strong and powerful as an identity mechanism, what you could do tomorrow with it. Think of anything that's tedious, time-consuming, lots of paperwork, asking for the same data over and over again, and now... Imagine what you do today for coupons. You enter your phone number. Imagine that you just get a token that you can share with a swipe and you've changed how you interact your information with others. So I always say, um, welcome to the future and welcome to blockchain. Hey, if I could avoid having to fill out my kids' health insurance information on forms for school field trips, that by itself would make it worthwhile to me. So I, <laughs> I definitely hear what you're saying. Well, thank you, Noah. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us today. For those who are listening, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. I certainly did. And if so, um, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever. And join us again for the next episode of VoIP for Independent Telecoms. Thanks for listening.